And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our first athletic director's show for the school year of 2020 slash 2021. Delighted to have Bill Moose with us for the next hour. And we're going to invite you to be along for the ride for this one. Here's the number if you want to be a part of this one, 531-500-4686. That's also our U.S. cellular text line. If a text is easier for you, we can relay those on to Bill. Again, 531-500-4686, U.S. cellular, the official wireless provider of Husker Athletics. Well, Bill, it has been a, a roller coaster of emotions, I know, for you, for the, for the team's. Uh, for our fan base for the last couple of weeks with an announcement of a schedule and then six days later the postponement of the fall sports. Um, wh- what have your emotions been like for the last three, four weeks as you've gone through this whole thing? Well, uh, Greg, it's been, uh, it has been emotional because <clears throat> at the end of the day, I feel for these, these young student athletes, uh, they they want to compete. They've dreamt of competing. Um, their their lives are upset and and tumbling around. And and uh, they needed some answers. We did get some, not the ones that uh, we wanted. But uh, uh, with the spring sports, other than football, we know that or the fall sports that they're going to be playing in the spring. And uh, we're working right now on a, on a football model that. Uh, hopefully we can implement after the first of the year. So still lots to do in that regard. But, uh, yeah, the emotions been up and down and all around. And and um, I, I think we'll come out of this stronger than we went into it. But uh, it, has, it has been challenging, to say the least. Bill, because of the cancellation and obviously because of the giant train that football is financially for an athletic department, it has forced you to make some very difficult decisions. Take the audience through some of the decisions that you've made, and one of the things you did decide to do is not touch any of the current sports. So kind of weave through through all that for us, would you? Yeah, well, the last thing an AD wants to do is drop a program. And I've, in 28 years as a Division One athletic director, I've added several of them, but I've, I've never had to discontinue one. And, and we're not going to do that. There are schools in our conference and across the country that are announcing that they are doing that, Iowa being the most recent one. And so we're going to be safe there. But at the same time, uh, with a projected now uh, $100 million hit to our revenue uh, for fiscal 21, we've had to do some things to try to uh, lower expenses. And we announced that uh, this this past Friday, and it included uh, furloughs and and salary reductions and to be more specific we have 51 um, employees furloughed 100 percent furlough so they will not be receiving a paycheck and then um, the balance of our workforce uh, is taking a a 10 percent across the board reduction 
both of these, uh, Greg, I, I put in uh, for a four-month period, uh, September 1st through the end of the year, uh, in hopes that uh, brighter days will be upon us uh, as we go into 2021. And, and for morale reasons, that's what we're shooting for, everybody uh, to lock arms and, and uh, head into this thing for four months and uh, let's work hard, pick up, uh, uh, pick up some, some slack with those 51 furloughs that other people are going to have to fill in. And then uh, ideally and hopefully, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed, we can get back to some sort of normal uh, after the first of the year. You, you mentioned, uh, I'm sure that was a very, very painful process to, to have to inform employees that they're not going to be doing their work for the next four months. These are dedicated people that have given their their lives, in some cases, to Husker Athletics. You mentioned Iowa. They did announce they were going to drop four sports. They've also talked about taking out a loan. Is that uh, something you're exploring? You've also mentioned you've got you've had a rainy day fund that you may have to tap into. What other avenues can you look at to try to keep the, the department up and running until you get some revenue coming back through the doors? Yeah, well, thanks to our great fans, uh, we ha- have a very nice uh, uh, reserve. Uh, but we want to make sure that we, we're not going in and, and taking the whole thing. And, and uh, so that's why these moves uh, to lower our expense uh, budget have taken place. We are not going to be in a, in a situation where we have to take out a loan. There's be many uh, in the Big Ten and, again, across the, the country that are they're going to have to look at that because they're not as fortunate as we are to have a um, a reserve that we can dip into. Uh, having said that, uh, we 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 can do that for about a year and uh, to the to the tune of of uh, you know several million dollars. But uh, we still are going to have to uh, uh, besides the the uh, employee situation with the furloughs and and the uh, salary reductions. We have discontinued uh, training table, these kind of things. Uh, We've we've expanded on cuts uh, that we implemented in June. If you recall, we had that conversation. Uh, There were 17 people in June whose positions were eliminated. Good people. So we didn't we didn't have to do that this time around. Uh, and hopefully we won't have to again or extend the furloughs and reductions. But uh, we are not going to have to um, uh, borrow money like many of our peers are going to have to do just to, to keep the doors open. You mentioned the training table. You, it is closed now. It closed on Monday. What kind of services are student-athletes still allowed to get? How do you make sure that those athletes are still being fueled up? Well, they will uh, they will get additional money in their stipends that is taken out when they do have training table, uh, so much per meal, um, and so they will they will get some relief there. We have our what we call Husker bucks, which can be used um, in area uh, supermarkets and stores. Uh, and then we will have our fueling stations opened as well, Greg, that uh, uh, there's, there's one in, here in North Stadium and another one over in the Devaney uh, 
uh, sports center over there that um, uh, they will be able to access and, and to help in that regard. And then we're having some meetings to see if there is something else we can do uh, to help nourish them there. This is a good time for them to continue their education in regards to what what to buy at a grocery store. You know, I, I, I have the saying, uh, shop the walls and not the halls. Go around a supermarket where your protein and your dairy, cheeses, um, your vegetables and fruits and all that, stay away from the processed foods. We, we train them in that regard too through our nutrition area. But uh, now that we don't have that very, very good food, uh, that uh, we've been offering and it is as good as there is in the country, we're going to have to depend on them to use good judgment uh, in the things that they're buying at the supermarket. Bill, we, we talked earlier about the disappointment of all of this for coaches, players, fans. Um, the CDC has had some just knock-you-down stats of, of suicide rates in this country over the last six months i think the entire our entire society is dealing with this thing from a mental standpoint of how to handle this virus uh, you have to be concerned about your student athletes and making sure because they're creatures of habit they get they know when the practice time is when the games are now that's kind of been taken away from them what about that part of, of the care of student athletes right now well, uh, I inherited uh, a program that had two full-time psychologists. Uh, I felt, um, after observing and assessing our situation long before the pandemic, that we needed more with a student-athlete population of over 650. Uh, two is just not going to do it, and especially during these modern times with social media and, and uh, all the anxieties and depression and and uh, such so uh, we were ready to hire two more when the the hiring freeze went on but I was able through uh, the chancellor's office to, to go ahead and get a waiver for two more psychologists so we have a total of four um, in the operation right now which which is going to be very helpful because uh, there's there, there's confusion there's frustration there's depression, there's all kinds of emotions that these young people are going through. And again, you know, Greg, uh, having been there myself, having two sons that are, are major college athletes, you dream your whole life of uh, playing in front of big crowds and uh, television uh, audiences and, and screaming fans and the color and pageantry of college athletics and and uh they're having they're being robbed of that right now so um we want to make sure that we have all the services available that we possibly can in regards to the um mental piece of this and, and the psychological piece and i i think we're we're doing a very good job with that you you've kind of had a double dose of this bill and i think it's a good time to remind folks you do have a son currently playing college football out in the pac-12 they've been shut down as well so i mean you've had to deal with this from an administrative standpoint with your position in nebraska but also as a parent that that has to be I mean, that's really added to your your list as well yeah i uh, i i had planned to go out and see my son ben in berkeley he's he's an outside linebacker at cal um 
and he's going to be a redshirt junior. Uh, and I was hoping to go out there and, and watch him practice. And so I had the reservations and everything, uh, flight arrangements. And as it turned out, out it was the weekend after both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten announced that we were um, going to discontinue the fall sports. So it was the timing was good. Uh, I, I got to spend a weekend with him. Um, he needed his dad right then, and I, I wanted to be there for him. And he's doing well. He's uh, 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 He's got a studio apartment in Berkeley, and they're doing uh, voluntary workouts and, and that kind of thing. So um, it, it was just real good to spend that time with him. And, and he may, uh, Greg, and I know we, we may want to elaborate on that, have a chance to still have two seasons to play. Um, after this one, because he has already redshirted, but uh, uh, we're, there's going to be eligibility um, that it's already been announced and extra years of competition, et cetera. So um, even though it's disappointing for him, it, it looks like he'll be able to still have two, two uh, seasons of, of college football. Bill, let's talk about the team. What what are they doing now? What's the plan for them in the coming weeks? What what is Coach Frost going to do with these guys? Well, they went uh, went home for a bit and are back now in classes. Uh, classes started in person uh, yesterday, and in uh, the week before, uh, were done uh, remotely. So <clears throat> they're back and. Uh, they are able to um, have access, our coaches can have access to them 12 hours per week. Um, in my opinion, that's not enough, but it's better than nothing. So um, they, will, they are back and, and organized. I, I believe Scott said that, that their first workout was to be uh, today. So uh, they are back at it. And, <clears throat> and really, again, as we mentioned in the first segment, they, uh, they want to play some football. Our, our, uh, our, our players want to play, our coaches want to coach, our fans want to watch. And uh, uh, so we're, we will continue to make sure that they're in the best shape possible and they are in great shape uh, and keep them uh, focus to uh, uh, with their teammates and, and as much uh, access to coaches as permissible and uh, hopefully we will have a plan B for them uh, within the next couple of weeks or so. Bill we've had this question a couple of times I'll let you answer this we've had people wondering can you do your own kind of spring game here in the fall can you do an event like that uh, since the season has been canceled or is that out of the question? I don't. It's not out of the question, and and uh, it would have to be. Uh, I I would think, and I, this is one of the first things I thought of. Let's have our spring football in October, if we're going to have a season in January. It's just uh, uh, we we're going to have to wait and see if indeed we can have, and we're at a point to announce a a, a scheduled season. So. Um, I, I think that, that that would be outstanding for all the uh, various entities that I that I just talked about, players, coaches, and fans. Uh, but it's a little too soon to discuss that because really, uh, we're we're just with them. Uh, the coaches are just with them for 12 hours a week. They would need full 20. 
uh, like uh, the other conferences that aren't shut down are, are enjoying right now. And hopefully we can get that changed and make some progress here so uh, people have some answers. Uh, again, Greg, a lot of it's going to depend, um, I believe, with our presidents and chancellors as to testing protocol, the saliva tests, which are uh, rumored to be ready uh, within a month or, or six weeks, and, and, um, and also, uh, you know, just where this pandemic is going, and uh, uh, we're, we will monitor that real close as well. Bill, you have been put on a committee by the Big Ten to try to study putting together a schedule either for the winter or the spring. That leads us into one of our text line comments. When can we expect to see a a plan or a schedule for Big Ten football later this year? Well, we had uh, we had that committee together today. It's it's uh, being chaired by Barry Alvarez uh, at Wisconsin, um, and it includes uh, athletic directors and um, head coaches. So I thought we had a very productive uh, meeting today. And, and uh, we also had uh, some conversations with uh, general managers of the NFL teams, uh, three or four of them, that uh, uh, talking about the, the, uh, the, the player combines and all those things that uh, you know, when, when are we supposed to have those? Can they alter their schedules and things like that? And, and uh, uh, also a discussion starting as to um, when would be the best time to start uh, a season after the first of the year. So there's still some debate on that. We're really just getting started. Um, and, it, and it falls in line with other committees, a medical committee and, and uh uh, I think we're we're going at it in a in a lot lot better fashion, uh, so that we can can hopefully have conversations with the presidents and chancellors with a clear cut plan that uh, really addresses any concerns that they might have at that time. Bill, let's let's swing it back to the folks now. You you'd already collected season ticket money back in the spring. That's when it's traditionally done, and you went through with all that. Uh, you, I know, have surveyed your season ticket holders and given them some options. Can you lay some of that out for us here tonight? Yeah, well, we were um, <clears throat> the, the originally uh, communicating with them as to uh, whether they would, would attend uh, home games in Memorial Stadium when we still felt we, we were going to be playing. And then... Uh, we we came back and with with uh, the questions of uh, you know if if the if the season is canceled or postponed uh, would you how would you want us to uh, deal with the contributions and and purchases of the tickets and and here again the the great fan base that we have twenty percent of our fans said hey just keep our money you need it these are tough times. Uh, we want to help in that regard. Uh, 60% said uh, we would like to roll it over into the 2021 season and have it apply to our seating during that time. And just 20% asked for uh, refunds. So uh, that's that's really amazing. I, I've been here long enough now, Greg, that it doesn't surprise me. They're, they're so 
so wonderful, um, our fans, as, as we all know. So uh, that, that will help us and, and give us a feel for, again, uh, that, that revenue piece that we're trying to uh, um, look at every corner of how we can improve that and certainly uh, being able to keep 20% of, of, uh, of those dollars and, and uh, only having to refund 20% is very, very helpful. Bill, kind of weaving that question with the one before, how important is it to you, and you sit on this committee to try to piece something together for the winter or the spring, how important is it to you to protect 2021 season so that you don't lose home game opportunities for two years in a row? Is that is that, is that in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind right now? Well, it's it, it has to be uh, on the scheduling committee as to how many games uh, should we play, uh, and how will it lay out? Where will they be played, and uh, when? And of course, our television partners uh, have to be very much involved in that, uh, and and are and are eager to uh, to uh, work with us in 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 uh, in that in that area. So. Uh, I, I, I worry about it being played too late in the winter or spring and losing uh, potential marquee players because of the NFL draft. Um, and the other thing is, uh, if, if we, these, these, a season, no matter how long it is, is taxing on the body. Um, and and on the mind and emotionally, and they need to recover. And if you push too too far um, forward uh, into the spring, you're getting close to the fall season, which we're in hopes will be a normal situation. So um, injury is another piece of it because uh, in a typical situation, you have enough time between seasons for a, a knee to heal or a hip or ankles and, and shoulders. Um, if that window is condensed, uh, that's a concern to coaches and, of course, our medical people and, and p- players and their parents. So uh, there are challenges there, and, and uh, I, I think I can can clearly say that uh, a 12-game season is not going to occur. And remember that we condensed the uh, fall model down to 10. So um, I, I think we'd probably be in the in in the area of seven or eight games in, in a championship game after that, but it's too early to say. Well, I want to I want to leave this with with Bill, with you, with a message to the fans who I know are hanging with you. You talked about the numbers uh, of people who just said keep the money. I know you guys need it. Sixty percent rolled it over to next year's things. Um, I, I know you appreciate them. You want them to hang with you, but I just wanted to give you a chance here in the last minute or so of our program, just to, a final message from you to the fans. Well, uh, to all the fans that are listening, and, and there's a lot of them, and that's, I find that uh, amazing in itself, but you are incredible. Uh, we care about you. you. You are the lifeblood of what we're doing, and it's because of you that, that we, we're, we're taking a little pause here and a little time out, but we're, n- we're not going into the tank. And the resources that we have available and the good leadership we have on this campus and, and throughout our system is helping, but 
uh, we're, we're going to get back into Memorial Stadium one way or another, and we're going to keep our sellout streak going. And uh, thank you. I, I, I speak for all of our coaches and, and all of our staff when we say thank you for being literally the best, the best fans in college athletics. Bill, keep your head up. I know this has been challenging, probably the biggest challenge in your career. And keep your head up. This will this will pass, and then we'll just we'll get to better days soon. Oh, we will. And Greg, you stay healthy. And uh, I'm gonna, I know you're going to miss that microphone too. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. we we, we got to get you back in action. No doubt. Thank you, Bill. We're back, Sports Highly, here on a Tuesday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Tim Curran, Mick Steiner, back in our broadcast studios. And we're going to get them involved in our next segment, Beyond the Headlines. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the Headlines. Okay. Take it away, boys. <laughs> I was expecting a more enthusiastic reaction for that open I, I just put together, but okay, I'll just take that I in like stride. It. Oh, thank now you. Now we are ready. There we go. Very good. A little historical ride down there. Some iconic moments in the world, huh? Exactly. That was the intent. Uh, you had Walter Cronkite there at the end, the Miracle on Ice, and uh, the moon landing. Just three snazzy little moments in news history. Uh, we don't have anything that monumental to bring you this week, but Mick Steiner and I put our heads together and came up with six stories we think you gentlemen uh, will enjoy. So, with that said, New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick, some would say the GOAT of coaching, at least I would say, uh, wants the NFL and the NCAA to streamline their rules and have as few discrepancies as possible. Belichick especially wants to see the NFL adopt college football's approach to defensive pass interference and make it just a 15-yard penalty like it is in college rather than it is a spot foul like it is right now in the NFL. Uh, do you guys agree with, with, with old Bill here, or do you think uh, things are pretty good the way they are already? I, I can't say I, I entirely understand what he wants. I mean, uh, so, uh, like... He basically wants college and NFL rules to be the same. It's pretty much what he wants. And he wants the NFL to take college's DPI rule. So just the DPI rule? Well, not ju- he, want he, the would, he wants two feet inbounds? Do you want the two-minute warning? Do you want... I, I mean, mean, there's a lot of differences in the, in the two. No, yeah, he just wants them the same. I, I like the uniqueness between the two games. It's like, you know, high school football quarters are 12 minutes long, not 15. I think it's okay to have a little bit of differences between the two. Generally what happens is the NFL will implement some kind of new rule, and a couple years later the colleges will go, yeah, we, we like what we see on Sundays and we adopt that. But I think there's too many things, and I don't mind the fact that there are some differences between what you see in the NFL and college. And Ben's right. That, that would be a long rabbit hole. If you started going down that, the, and one of them would have to change dramatically and probably be the college game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know what he's up in arms about this time. I mean, <laughs> just because the, the P.I. rule, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, the whole I thing mean, about I, a kid. Go ahead, Ben. I, I'll just say I'm indifferent. I, 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 I don't necessarily agree, but I'm not going to rip him apart for this either. I, I just think they're the – the NFL is the NFL, and it's working just fine for him. And now that he's not winning the year that he loses Tom, Tom Brady, he wants to go change all the rules. 
Jeez. You know, the, the, the thing that drives me crazy in football anymore is the, the catch-no-catch. I mean, that, that has just driven me batty the last seven or eight years about something looks clearly like it's a catch, and they'll go back and say, well, the ball kind of rolled in his knuckles yeah. there as he's going to the ground, and you're like, really? I mean, the if you have to slow it catch. down yeah. to one one-thousandth of a frame to see that a ball might have rolled a little bit in some guy's fingertips to say that it's not a catch, come on. I think they've gone way overboard in that. Yeah, that, I mean, it's really not that hard to identify when someone catches a ball or not. And we made it so complicated. Right. Yeah. All right, we're moving on, but we're staying in the Hi, same Mick. conference. Hello. How are you guys? Good. We Welcome we back, Mick. For a while. Good to have him on here. Yeah, it's great to be back. So Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott told reporters yesterday that he thinks it's, quote, ridiculous that some NFL teams have fans at games, even in a limited capacity. The Bills will head to South Beach to take on Miami for their Week 2 matchup, who announced that they'll have approximately 13,000 fans in the stands. Is McDermott being unreasonable here by making that statement because it's far from his decision, or is he onto something here that may cause other teams to pump the brakes? It's an interesting question, I think, because we're so teams are so different based on where they're at geographically. Like where the, what they're dealing with in Buffalo is not the same that they're dealing with uh, in Phoenix or in Kansas City or Los Angeles or Seattle. So I understand it from a coach, and I, and I expected this at some point, to have a coach that has a home field to where there's no fans allowed and there are home fields probably within their own division that are going to allow fans. I'm saying, uh, that's not fair. We need, we need to eliminate that. Not surprised at all it's come out. How, how much of an impact will 12,000 fans at, I know it's not Joe Robbie Stadium anymore, whatever they call that thing, Sun, Sun Kissed or whatever, Sun Trust Stadium where the Dolphins play, how, how big of an influence are they going to be? compared to an empty stadium for the Bills at home. I don't know that it's going to be that big of a difference. Now, if Arrowhead was full and then you go play the Raiders in Vegas and there's nobody there, yeah, that's that's a big swing. But, Ben, I, I mean, you put 12,000, 13,000 in a 70,000-seat stadium, is it really that big of a home field advantage for you? Well, and especially, like, it would be different. Like, if you think about, like, a high school football game, what are the loudest parts of the stadium? The student section. I mean, if there's a large concentration of people, say, in one end zone or at one end of the field, um, you know, that's, you know, college overtimes, you want to play in the end where there's not the student section. Like, the people won't be in a concentrated area. So right. it's like it's not like they're packing all 17,000 in one end zone or one where it makes it difficult – uh, to play in that one end people are going to be spread out all over the stadium so yeah I'm with you I don't think it's gonna uh, almost a little bit like the big house Greg where you know that that place fits a lot of people but the, just the way that the stadium's built it fans out it doesn't contain a lot of noise right again now if if it gets really distorted let's say you get to November in Kansas City's so much better shape containing the virus in other parts and they can all of a sudden put 50,000 in there and the Raiders or the Broncos or the Chargers, whoever, can't put anybody, then then it becomes a little bit more of a problem. So, guys, it's a great question to bring up because it may, it may get worse as the season goes along, the discrepancy. Right now, I don't know that it's a big problem. 
All right, moving on here to Major League Baseball. This is someone that uh, kind of raised my eyebrows. I don't really have an associated question for it, more just kind of remarking at how incredible this is. A better one, $200,000 last week on a Padres game, and he's got Manny Machado to thank for it. The better took the over on a 7.5 run total between the game and the Padres and the Rangers. But things weren't really looking good for him, considering that the game was only 2-1 to one in the top of the ninth. Miraculously, though, the Rangers tied things up, saying the game into extras. Then in the bottom of the 10th, they had the bases juiced for Machado, all he needed was a single tie it up or a double to walk it off but Machado did one better smashing a grand slam and making that man pretty happy uh that game was back on August 20th uh yeah guys dancing with the devil right there with that better but I think I probably would have flipped that game off if I saw it was only two to one in the ninth good for him think about how many times the house wins on a last second dunk by somebody or just a worthless touchdown in a football game and a better takes in the shorts. Good for that guy. I'm glad it turned out for him, not the house. Good for yeah. him. Man, I, I'm imagining if that was me, you know, what that must be like because you better believe all those scenarios are running through your head when you're betting on overs and unders, right? The top, the, you know, seventh inning, one-run game, you're praying for extra innings, and then the extra innings happen, and then, you you know, the new rule would be something that popped into my head. Okay, well, I might I might at least get one an inning because I've got a guy on second base and nobody – you work through all those scenarios when you got – financial impact on the line and so yeah good for that guy and <laughs> man he bet, he bet on the, the the right team because uh the Padres were hot in terms of bats and offense and they came through for him this is a good good chance for me to interject here and I want everybody's thoughts on this because that game you talked about Tim went 10 innings right it went right. into extra innings so there's the new rule coming into play runner at second base now you guys have watched everybody's played about 30 games what do you think? Do you like this thing? Hmm. I mean, personally, I, I don't hate it, but it, there it, there is a gimmicky aspect to it. And so in the playoffs, would I want to see that necessarily? I don't think so. But in the regular season, I actually don't mind it because it does – I mean, it does move games along. I mean, you, you, when you get in the 17th inning you got position guys on the mound, that's when you really start to have things drag out. So I don't hate it, but it is definitely a gimmick. You can't really get over that. I haven't minded it as I thought – as much as I thought I would, um, being that I, I thought that was pretty drastic, dramatic, severe. I uh, just didn't think that that was something that would be – something I would enjoy but I this season's so messed up as it is like I'm cool with it this year just because it's you know teams are having to play so many games in a short amount of time I I had to endure my life without baseball for so long if you want to throw a runner at second base so be it I mean this year is already bizarre anyway uh is it something I would want in a regular 162 probably not but I would you know if if it did get put into place I don't know that I'd sit there and cry about it Mick how about you I love it um I actually really like it from producing quite a few softball games with Nate there were a lot of drama filled extra inning games and it was all because of that runner on second base and I will tell you we haven't quite seen as exciting as it can be yet I'm with I'm with I think you guys I I think it's great I don't want it in the playoffs I think that's a different deal and that's okay but I'll differ from Ben on this I don't mind if they keep this thing in for regular season games from here to eternity I think it's wonderful I think if you're a fan of the game and it's getting at 10:30 at night 
And you, you'll stay if you know that's going to happen, where you may go, yeah, i got to work tomorrow, let's get out of here. But you're going to stay for the 10th and maybe the 11th inning because you know somebody's probably going to score. I think it's really been added a nice little flair to baseball. Already I'm back, so we get to talk about golf. Dustin Johnson won the Northern Trust Championship at TPC Boston this last weekend at an incredible 30 under par. For active players in their first 250 starts on tour, he has 22 wins, putting him just ahead of Phil Mickelson, who had 20. As you may have guessed, Tiger Woods is first. Any guesses uh, before we discuss, any guesses on how many he had through 250 starts? How many DJ had? How, no, how many Tiger, Tiger had? Tiger. DJ had. had 20, Phil had, or DJ had 22, Phil had 20. And I, I would guess he's probably north of 30 somewhere. I'll say like 36. I, I'm going to go a little, even a little higher. I'm going to put it in the 40s. I'm going to say 42. Okay, Tiger Woods on his 250th start won for his 71st victory. Oh, man. What? At a 28.4% win rate through 250 wow. Not bad. So what even, I want you guys to discuss is do you think any current golfers have a chance at getting even within the ballpark? Some notable yeah. golfers here. Rory has 19 wins through 181 starts. JT has 13 through 153. Um, and then Bryson has 6 through 108. Or you Ben's could, guy. Could, Ben's look, favorite. could look at one of the younger guys. Like Morikawa has three wins in, in 30 starts. And Hovland and Wolf both have a win in their rookie season. Nobody gets close. I mean, no, nobody gets up no. higher than 40. No. I don't think anybody there, in that group gets past 30, but... There's yeah. too many good players, for one. It's just, it's hard to win. And so, what DJ's done is remarkable. Nobody's going to touch that Tiger number. Man, I had no clue he, he'd had 70-some by that many stars. Because he's, what, at 82 now? I think he's at 82 Correct. now for yep. total, total wins. Yeah, that, that's just crazy. Nobody comes close. I, I agree, and my and my take is similar to yours, Greg. Is there's just too many too many good players now? Yeah. Yep. All right, moving out of the sports realm for a moment, and gentlemen, you're going to want to check your phones for this next story. Uh, <laughs> it's a little too saucy for the TV screens, but I'll send this here. Uh, new fashion craze that's surely poised to take the country by storm: the brokini. Oh, geez. Uh, it essentially amounts to a wrestling singlet, yet manages to be even more revealing than that. Uh, gentlemen, do you foresee yourselves trying out the brokini sometime in the near future, or uh, too modest uh, for you guys? What is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> many oh, things. Man. But I just wanted you like, guys to. This is this is a Kent Pavelka text that I just received. <laughs> is what is what that is. Um, no, I don't see myself New. purchasing, looking at, owning, trying on any association with a brokini whatsoever. No, that's a shame. Unless you happen to show up to work in one sometime, and no. I'm you know. Just no, I think I might be all off guard. Might break a company rule or two if I showed up in a brokini. <laughs> I don't know that I can wipe that image out of my head for a while now. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, it's like that movie Borat and the little swimsuit yeah. thing that that guy wore. Yeah. For those that are trying to imagine what what Tim just sent to our phones, imagine if our wives saw that on our phones, Greg. What type <laughs> what of questions they would have for us? Yeah, just ordered <laughs> just one say, off Amazon. <laughs> just say it's related to work, and I'm sure they'll understand. I'm sure they'll take it in stride. Woo! Wow, this 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 went into the ditch on this question right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not about to get any better with the one the mix got lined up for you guys. So I'll let him take it away. All right, fellas. A Krispy Kreme employee made headlines yesterday for running a donut through their glazed waterfall 25 times. It created what can only be described as a hideous monstrosity. That said, 
Would you guys try it? No. 25 Way. times. Yeah. So basically, oh, how, there's how pictures thick of was it. that thing? But it's basically just a giant ball of glaze at a just certain go point. Eat, just go eat a bag of sugar. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, at what, at what spin around that machine is, is there even a point? Like, you know what I mean? Like, once right. it's covered and, like, completely full, like... Well, I will you, say, you've done it. You, you've accomplished it. It would be hard to fit into your brokini if you eat one too many oh. of those. <laughs> you had to go back to there, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. Man, I just wanted to pull I, it back, guys. <laughs> just making sure yeah. we're keeping our eyes on the prize. I, no I don't know way, that, no I, don't know way that I would eat that. that. No I'm going to say I wouldn't even try it with two times through. I think that no. Krispy Kreme's got it figured out. They've got the right amount. Eight seconds in the microwave, and it's perfect. It's hard what? not to steer into a Krispy Kreme when that light's on. You know they're just oh, out yeah. of the oven. Oh, Krispy Kreme's one of those things where, like, when you smell it, you're like, I want to eat 74 of those yep. things. And then after, like, six, you're like, I'm never eating one of those again. Right. Ever. Yeah. Spot on. Well, once a month, The Conversation with the Cooks, the podcast where Lauren Cook interviews your dad, head volleyball coach John Cook. They record a new episode. They've got another one ready to drop later this week. Here's a little clip. Okay, so you are going to begin training on August 31st. What will that look like? So what we are anticipating, we haven't been told officially, but typically where the way the spring goes, which we never do because we play beach, you're allowed eight hours per week. So four of that can be in the gym, four of that can be in the weight room. So we're actually going to start off going about six hours a week in the weight room, two hours in the gym, and then we'll start transferring that to a four to four ratio. And then on, actually Lauren, I just went through it all today, but on October 26th, we'll start what we call our 20 hours per week. We get six weeks of 20 hours a week, just like you're in season. And we'll start that on uh, October 26th and go all the way to when the final four would have been played, which was December 19th. And we'll take a break for finals over Thanksgiving. I want you to be honest with me. What was your initial reaction when you heard that the season was going to be pushed to the spring? Were you relieved? Were you, you know, a little upset? What, give me your honest, honestly, what, how you felt and what your reaction was. I was relieved because we knew we were starting practice and we didn't know, we didn't, we didn't have a schedule. So you're starting practice. You don't even know what your schedule is. And we're supposed to start in, you know, three, three weeks. So it was actually a relief just to know, okay. And, and I was saying in all the meetings that I was a part of, what would be easier? Waiting till February to start a season and trying to figure everything out and get everything down by then, or trying to start a season in three weeks. And with, with all the unknowns that we have. So for me, it was a relief because as you know, I, I like to plan and have a master plan and going day to day, not knowing, I mean, it's, you know, changing by the day, you know, and that, that was the thing that what frustrated football and all the football fans was they got a schedule and six days later, they canceled the season. We hadn't even got a schedule yet. So that, so you can imagine the pent up frustration and everything with all that. And now we can at least plan and make a plan for this fall right now that we can control that we're in charge of, and, uh, you know, we gave our players time off, which I didn't want to do because they were in great shape. We had several players break records uh, in the per performance index testing. We had seven, was it seven players got in the 2,000-point club. 
So we were really happy with what they did in the summer with everything going on. So we felt like we got to a really good place, but you also have to factor in, they've got to have breaks. You don't want to burn them out because if we go all the way to April, May for a championship, it, it could be a really long year. How did the girls react? And then how did your staff react? Um, my, uh, my coaches were, I mean, they were loving it. We were loving being in the gym. We were loving being in practice. The girls were loving it. But also I think uh, our, our players were also, I think, more, especially, and again, I didn't talk to our freshmen. They don't know any different. Uh, but talking to our seniors and our captains, I think they were like me. They, they were relieved to know that, okay, we're, we're just not going through the motions right now and you know, wondering if we're going to play. And that was the other big worry was, and I think this is with our seniors especially, we're going to start this season and play, and then it's going to get canceled. And then is that, is that it for their senior year? And that was the big worry. That was the fear that the biggest fear was we're going to get started. Maybe Nebraska's okay, but all of a sudden everything else starts shutting down, and then we have to stop our season. So at least now we have several months to prepare and, and to figure out the COVID more and see what happens with the students coming back. And that was my other big worry was, when all the students return to campus, what was that going to do? So we have three freshmen living in the dorms. We got them all out. They're, they're living out, off campus right now until we figure out if this is going to be an outbreak and students are going to not party and, you know, create outbreaks within the dorms and on campus. And that's why you see the chancellor pleading with everybody, be safe. But you, you're also seeing other schools shut down because they're having parties, they're kicking people out. And it's, it's just really, it's a really tough deal. So we're just, we're trying to be as protective as we can. I do have to give you credit because back in, I think it was maybe March, I was asking you if you thought you were going to have a season this fall. And you said, you know, I really think that they're going to move it, end up moving it to the spring. And I mean, you were predicting that back in, you know, this last spring that this was all going to happen. So I think uh, the reason you and your staff and your players took this so well is because you had prepared them hey this is a strong possibility and this is likely what's going to happen and so i think that you know going into the training this summer and, and into your first few practices for the fall i think they all kind of were prepared for their season to be canceled and then move to the spring yeah we we've been trying to work hard on our mindset because Otherwise, you just you're going to be so disappointed. There's going to be so many ups and downs, and so just trying to create that mindset. And it really goes back to how we train and how we approach competition. Is we're just going to focus on one point at a time, or winning that next drill, or win the day. And we're not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow because we don't know, and it's out of our control. There's part of the conversation with the Cooks. It will drop later this week where you find your podcast. You can find a link off of our Twitter page at Husker Sports. Always a good listen. Always great insight from the head volleyball coach for the Cornhuskers. Great show tonight. Good to hear from Bill Moose during hour one. Thanks to Ben, Tim, Mick. Great having him back. Thanks to all of you for being a part of this one. Enjoy the rest of your night. Good night.